Would you call Dame Lillard's bluff and trade for him anyway? And if not, what's the next name we're going to be discussing for the Jazz to trade for? Plus Summer League reaction. It's all coming up on today's edition, an Ask LOJ edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. It's an Ask LOJ edition. You've submitted the questions. We answer them. They are great as always. Would you call Dame Lillard's bluff? Who's the next name that we're going to be discussing? And we will give it to you and break it down. Which of the Jazz assets, the picks they've gotten from the Lakers, Cavs, and Wolves is the best? What's my thoughts on Keontae George and Ochai Abaji from Summer League? How do I watch the Jazz outside of the footprint? Will we see Taylor Hendricks and Bryce Sensabaugh? When do we go all in? And can Walker Kessler shoot a three? Those are all some of the questions that are headlining that have come in today. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much to the everydayers who are here with us each and every day as we come to you Monday through Friday. The day oneers that were out there when we were doing who knows what that have been with us the whole time. It was great to see all of you at Summer League. Thanks so much. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please take part in the chat as well. All right, let's get to your great, great questions today. You guys are always so fabulous with this on our Ask LOJ edition of Locked on Jazz. First one that came in, would you take Dame Lillard's bluff and trade for him? So right now, Dame Lillard's agents are calling around, telling everyone not to trade for him. They've done. I'm pretty certain they've called the Jazz and told them that. Uh, they're trying to orchestrate it. Also, it goes to Miami. Miami has a bad package for the Blazers, and the Blazers are clearly sending the message that they're not playing along with this because the agents are the good ones, and this is what they do. Been around them for a long time. Know them from Seattle. They're ant- They're bringing the ante up. And they're now have gone so far as to start leaking out. And you can tell where the leaks are coming from. This one's not hard to figure out. That Dame won't report. So that's their newest one is that Dame won't report. Not that just you're getting an unhappy Dame, but now that story is that Dame won't report. At some point, I just pass. Like, you hate to let the agents win. You feel bad for Portland. They're screwed. But at some point, it's just not worth it. Like, I'm not sure it's the right move for us anyway with four years on his deal. I do kind of like the idea of you bring somebody in who's not on the same timeline for two years and you win enough games in that two years that it's a good environment for everyone. And then Ochai and Keontae and Taylor Hendricks and then whoever you draft two years from are suddenly getting better. And then you draft two years from now, you've let your pick go this year to, to Oklahoma City and then you add more players two years from now and you move forward. Um, you know, it's just... He's really costly. Frankly, you know, Portland hasn't been that good with him. His lack of defense has some concerns. And so it's not like, it's not a total no brainer. And so you add this other element to it. And yes, at this point, I probably just pass. Just decide 
this is not worth it. This is too much, and there's too much noise around it. So probably I would pass. Who's the next player? I think this one comes up. I think this one's going on right now, in fact. Um, It's Pascal Siakam. So, and I know teams have made offers, um, and Masai Ujiri hasn't pulled the trigger yet. Masai Ujiri, interestingly, has not pulled many triggers yet. So Siakam is 6'9", 230, plays with the Toronto Raptors. He's 29 years of age. Just to, if you don't know his game, great. For the last 40 years, he's averaged about 20, between 21 and last year, 24 points a game. He gets about eight rebounds and five or six assists. He's been the fulcrum of the offense for the Toronto Raptors. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's 32.7% from three. If I were to criticize him... It would be that he is Portland's number one option and he's not quite good enough to be the number one option. Like that's kind of probably been a problem for them a little bit in games is the fact that, you know, they turn it over to him, ask him to be the go-to guy. And I'm not sure that he's great at it. Um, And I think it has restricted a little, like I'm not sure he's a go-to number one option. Toronto, in the clutch last year, um, had, um, well, sorry, let's see, for some reason, NBA stats is not working, so what I was hoping to pull through, there we go. Um, Toronto last year in the clutch was the 19th ranked offensive team. They were 19 and 25 in the clutch. Now, Siakam was the second best player on a team that won the championship, third best, second best or third best player on a team that won a championship. Uh, the year prior, by the way, in the 21-22 season, they were a little bit better. They were 26 and 19. And the only reason I bring that up is because I do think the clutch numbers are pretty noisy and it's worth, so they're about 500 in the clutch, which they should be and their offense was better. So maybe that's not a totally fair sample size, but that's always been my feeling on Siakam. On the other end, Siakam's 6'9", elite athlete, still 29 years old, in his prime, averages, like, let's not kid ourselves. He averages 24 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. He was the first guy off the All-NBA ballot this year. Which will cost him about $100 million, Which gets to the next issue with Pascal Siakam. Two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. I do not believe he is eligible for the Supermax. He missed out on All-NBA this year. And the last time he was All-NBA um, with his two All-Leagues all were 19-20 and 21-22-13. I don't believe that gets him the Supermax. So he is eligible. He's on the last year of his contract. And he is eligible for a four-year, $192 million deal. So the first thing on Pascal Siakam that the Jazz have to discuss is, one, do they want to give him a four-year, $192 million extension? It's not worth trading for him unless you're going to give him that deal. If you don't believe in Pascal Siakam enough that you're giving him a Four-year, $192 million, $48 million a year. You are now paying he and Lowry Marketing both $48 million in a few years. So are you willing to do that? Siakam and Lowry Marketing both at $50 million a year around there. Good enough for you. That, that's your first question. Second thing is, is Pascal Siakam willing to take this deal? Because you don't make this deal unless Siakam says yes. I'll sign a four-year, $192 million deal. And I got to tell you what, I think if he's willing to sign a four-year, $192 million deal to be in Utah, and now you suddenly have these two pieces 
I think you got to be in. Now, from talking around the league, what gets this deal done? So Siakam is currently at $37 million. So we would have to trade him about $37 million. If I use the FanSpo trade tracker on this, and, and there are teams already that are making offers to Toronto for Siakam and no deals gotten done. And from what I understand, the deals that are being offered are kind of two first-round draft picks. So the Jazz would have to trade two contracts that are, you know, somewhere in the Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Kelly Olenek, John Collins grouping. So they they would have to trade two contracts. So if they here, here, let me propose just I'm making this up. Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Olenek, and I'm actually not using John Collins because it's too hard to trade him because he's actually not. I think the Jazz would then probably have to give up Taylor Hendricks. And then I think the Jazz have to give up a pick or two. And I think the Jazz at that point have to add, probably to get that deal done, a pick or two. The Jazz, if they take... Linux, Clarkson, and Hendricks, they're at about 30 million. Siakam's at 38. So you'd have to fiddle it around a little bit. And it's hard to tell right now because of the fact that um, you uh, Clark, I put Clarkson in there and there's some time you have to wait on him. And Hendricks isn't signed yet or isn't available yet. So, like, there's a bunch of pieces where you'd have to start really working the numbers to make it work. If you're going to get the deal done, from what I understand that has been offered to Pascal Siakam, the Jazz might have to go offer Taylor Hendricks, would be my guess. And to some extent, if you're signing Pascal Siakam for four years at $192 million and you already have Lowry and you already have Walker, you're trading Taylor Hendricks because there's just not that many routes to him left to play, right? You've decided that what you are is Lowry, Markin, and Pascal Siakam and Walker Kessler on the front line for the next period of time. And if you decide you want to do a deal like this, so you give up Taylor Hendricks' ninth pick of the draft. You're giving up two players. And you probably are giving up another one, if not two picks, because he's signed the extension. That This is the crazy thing. And because he's willing to sign the four-year deal, he actually becomes more value. He becomes a better trade asset. You'd be, you know, And you wouldn't do the deal unless you know you have that. So would you... How far would you be willing to go in for Pascal Siakam, who's a number two? Really, really good number two. But he's a number two. And you probably have two number twos with Lowry and Pascal Siakam at that point. And all your assets. And a developing Ochai Baji, developing Keontae George. You're beginning to piece something together. Right? You go into this season with Colin, Ochai, Clarkson, Keontae. Lowry Markkinen, Walker Kessler, Pascal Siakam. Maybe John Collins is still on your roster. Maybe Kelly Olenek still on your roster. Obviously, one of those Clarkson sections not on your roster. You're probably right around the play in this year, and do you get better? Like, is that a piece? So give me your thoughts on the YouTube. Hit me at DLock09. 
of whether or not that's a deal you would want to do because that's the next name, whether it gets out there as much, that is the name right now. Teams are making offers to Toronto right now for Pascal Siakam. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. I'm driving the new, the Santa Fe. It is such a great car. We actually own two of the Santa Fe's. This one's kind of the newest model. It's super. Every, like the bells and whistles are so great. Change my turning signal to drive and the miles per hour and the RPMs, if I'm going right, changing signals to the right, the more dangerous manner, I get a little camera right there that shows me the side of my car. On the left, same thing. They've had this for years. They were the first one to do it. They always get a year early. They have the first ones who add it. If a car's coming, you can't open up your back door for kid safety. That's what Hyundai does. Constantly great safety features. And then you get the Murdoch. No regrets experience. If you're going to head over to Murdoch Hyundai this weekend or look at a car, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so we can give you the locked on every day or VIP experience. Want to make sure that you grab that opportunity and take a look at Murdoch Hyundai over at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan, Logan and in Linden. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Today's program is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Therapy is an opportunity for you to get better, for you to understand, for you to comprehend, and maybe for you to avoid some of the same pitfalls that you've been falling into. We get tough choices. The path is not always easy. Sometimes we look back at our decision-making and wonder why, or why couldn't I react better in that circumstance? Or my case, why do I have such a hot temper? Like, what is it that I've had in my life that has made it so that I have these warts or these pitfalls or that make it hard for me to understand things? For me, it's warts. For you, it might be something else. So trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. They take practice, brain power, skills. I was talking with someone the other day about their anxiety and the circumstance and their comment was, well, I've been, I've been given the skills. I've been given the techniques that I need to deal with those circumstances. It was kind of cool to hear that. Well, that's what therapy does for you. And that's what better help is for. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist. And then this is so cool. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If it doesn't, that therapist doesn't work out for you. Let therapy be your map with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on N B A. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Leaf Tuline will jump in next week. I'm actually, will be around and working, might pull out something, but I'm actually going to just be all. Transparency beyond the islands in Hawaii, and I can start work at five o'clock in the morning. But doing a podcast at five o'clock in the morning while everybody else is on vacation does not go over great. So um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, interesting discussion in the YouTube room about the um, um, the Pascal Siakam situation and and whether you do that. I thought this was a great Ask LOJ question today. How do you value the picks the Jazz have from the Lakers, Cavs, and the Wolves? So if you're trading for someone like Pascal Siakam, the Jazz actually have a hard time trading their own draft picks right now because of the Oklahoma City trade. So if you're trading assets, you probably have to trade, you're trading either the picks that we got for Donovan Mitchell uh, or you're trading the Minnesota picks or you're trading the Laker pick. So here's what the Jazz 
have. We have 15 first-round draft picks. The the pick in 2024 is protected 1 through 10 in 2025 and 1 through 8 in 2026 before dissolving. So if we wanted to be terrible for the next two years, we could actually just keep that pick and then it goes away. Does not seem like that's the route we're on. The 1 through 10, I'm not convinced we're out of that, actually. And that gets really interesting. If we end up picking 1 through 10 next year, then what do you do in 2026? You got to keep Lowry happy, too. So in 2025, we have Minnesota's pick and Cleveland's unprotected pick. As of this moment, I think Cleveland's going to be pretty good. Minnesota just feels like they're teetering on the edge. In other words, it feels to me like they could trade Carl Anthony Towns this offseason, and then their one Anthony, Anthony Edwards just signed his extension, but then he gets, you know, their one moment of him deciding he's out or something, and they and and they fall apart fast. 2026, we have pick swaps with Minnesota and Cleveland and our own first-round pick. And that, we can trade our 2026 pick because there's no chance that that pick is encumbered by the Oklahoma City deal. 2027, we have our own pick we can trade. We have Minnesota's unprotected, Cleveland's unprotected, then the Lakers' first round, one through four. 2028, we have a pick swap with Cleveland and our own. And 2029, we have our own. We have unprotected from Cleveland and Minnesota's first round protected, one through five. So I love this question. Like, And I'm sure the Jazz have done this, and I'm sure every team in the league has done this. Like, Which of these picks is most valuable? So I think as you start to get unprotected, 2027 in Minnesota and Cleveland are probably our two most, and 2029 Cleveland are probably our most unprotected picks. I think Cleveland's going to be pretty good here for a little while. But Donovan could always leave. Garland could always leave. It's always Cleveland. Minnesota 2029 pick is probably the most valuable pick, but it's protected one through five. So someone's going to be reluctant to trade for that. I think the Minnesota 2027 pick is probably the most valuable pick we have. Followed by maybe the Cleveland 2029 down the road, unprotected, who knows? Followed by the Lake, either the Cleveland 2027 or the Lakers 2027 protected one through four in 2027. Then I would go Minnesota 2029 one through five protected. But that one's risky because so is the Laker because if it falls one through five, you lose it. And then I would move to 2025 picks. And then I would say Minnesota's and then Cleveland's after that. So of the picks, and I just, you know, I thought it was a great question, so I just made this up today. Of the picks we've acquired, I think this, if we're looking to make a trade, the most valuable asset we have are the two 2027 picks. Both Minnesota and Cleveland, still pretty far out. Not sure what they have. Both unprotected. I think those are the two most valuable. The next most valuable, I think, is Cleveland 2029. Then I think is either the Minnesota one through five or the Lakers one through four protected picks. Those just depends your risk analysis, Minnesota's chances of being one through those. And then you get to the 2025 picks of Minnesota and Cleveland as the next set of value. So this not, and then where do you fit in our own picks? I would think that from a, somebody's standpoint, our, we're, they probably still don't think we're going to be very good in 2025. Though we can't trade. We can't trade the 2025 or the 2020. Uh, excuse me. I was wrong about something. The, the 
Thunder protection has three years, not two. Now that I, it's one through 10, one through 10, and one through eight. So we cannot trade our 2024, our 2025, or our 2026 pick yet. Our 2027 and our 2028 picks and our 2029 picks that we can trade fit somewhere in this roadmap of picks, but probably near the bottom. People probably assume that we'll have built this thing up to be pretty good by then, but middle of the first round. That's why that last piece, by the way, is why there's some real question and value from people and, and a belief that the Jazz want to get out of the top 10 to get that pick to Oklahoma City to free themselves to pick trade their other picks and get unencumbered. I don't know that we're there. I mean, I think it's so tight, frankly. Um, you know, we did this yesterday. Like, everyone is kind of the same. We're a little better. Um, we're better. Uh, but it's so tight. There's just, it's so, so tight. What are my impressions of Keontae George in Salt Lake City? Super pleased. Super, super pleased with the way Keontae George looked in Salt Lake Summer League. Absolutely. I don't want to go ecstatic, but I would say checked every single box that you would want to see out of the 16th pick of the first round for the Utah Jazz the last three days. I don't care about one for eight shooting at all. I love his release on his three. I love that he has a different, like he had time and he suddenly had a different shot. I love how he got him off. He had a handoff where he got the three off. I think he missed it. I don't, again, I don't care. He got it off right away. So his release is great. His body looked terrific at 185 pounds instead of 200. He looked heavy when I watched him in college. He looked stuck to the ground. He doesn't have a big bounce where he's coming off the ground and packing it on you yet. Now there wasn't maybe room for that. I thought he generally got by guys, but not like incredibly. Um, And then, you know, what he does once he gets by someone, I think is going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, But I was really pleased. I liked him much more watching him in person in summer league than I did watching him on Baylor tape. The Baylor Arkansas game concerned me when he got his first three shots blocked. There, There were things in that game. And then he didn't, I didn't think he played hard all the time in college. I didn't see any of that in the summer league games. I thought he played with teammates great. I thought he played point guard better than I saw him play at Baylor. I was super pleased. Um, If I'm a Jazz fan, I saw everything that I want to see out of of Keontae George at Utah Jazz Summer League and super, super excited. Um, Again, like he's beating up Frankie Ferrari last night. Like... Hold off, like, I'm finding myself saying, oh, he's going to force himself into the lineup. And then I'm like, he's being guarded by Frankie Ferrari. Stop it. But in that setting, he did everything I probably could expect. How do I watch jazz games? Can Walker Kessler shoot a three? Do we see Hendricks and Sensabaugh? What about Ochai? Those are all still to continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked on NBA coming up for you next. Every dayers, you're the best. Thanks so much for being a part of the program each and every day. Joining me, being a part of it, two and a half hours a week we spend together. I super appreciate your time. I call you a friend too. Hope you call me one. What did I learn about Ochai Abaji in Salt Lake? That he's a great kid. I was reminded, but he's just a class act. 
Um, I think that matters, actually. Like, this is just truly one of the best kids around. Buy the jersey, root for the kid. He's just awesome. That his body's amazing. He's physically completely built for the NBA. He looks good. I think he looks a little different body-wise. Um, and I thought he was overly aggressive to a role that he would ever play under any circumstance in the NBA in an NBA regular game. He will probably never be, hopefully actually, never be the best player on the floor for the Utah Jazz. Like if he's our best player on the floor, that's a problem. And he got asked to do best player on the floor things. And I thought he did them fairly well. This is where Summer League, here's a great Summer League story. I was with a scout the other night, went out for dinner and, uh, or snacks afterwards, whatever. And uh, I don't drink. So when I say we went out for drinks, it's really stupid. Um, So we went out for drinks. And so I had Brussels sprouts and water. I am so exciting. Um, and we were talking about summer league and just try, and we were putting value on stuff and we both stopped. This is a great story. So the year Dame Lillard came out of summer league, he was unbelievable. He was the co MVP in summer league with a kid named Josh Shelby out of Kansas. Now the backstory on this is that both of us knew the story and didn't know the player's name. We couldn't remember Josh Shelby's name. Uh, and Josh Shelby and was the co-MVP of Summer League. And Josh Shelby, out of Kansas, was the 49th pick of the Memphis Grizzlies, killed Summer League, and proceeded to play 38 games in his NBA career and 296 minutes. He played 200, he was the MVP of Summer League, and he played 296 minutes in his NBA career. So let's not go to Summer League evaluation nuts. It's the only thing we have. So it's what we look at. But let's be perfectly clear, like, I'm not going to get overly excited about somebody because of Summer League. I'm looking for pieces. And I'm not going to go freak out. Josh Selby is the reason why. So I think that um, I think that you look at Ochai Baji and he was really fine. Like he got asked to do a lot. He made a bunch of shots. He missed a bunch of shots. He wasn't finishing at the rim. I thought he might have been tired. It's a big burden. Um, and I thought I saw everything out of him that I want to see out of a guy that's either going to be, in all likelihood in his career, my fourth or fifth best starter or one of my rotation players off the bench. And he'll be, be super. Like he's probably Bruce Brown plus in his career. Or maybe he's Bruce Brown. Let's get some more Ask LOJ questions. Do you think we will see Hendricks or Sensabaugh in Las Vegas? I am less likely on that than I have been. Neither of them have really practiced yet. Like I, if they were going through some practices and then... Sensibly, I did not think we were going to see. Hendricks, I thought we might see, but I don't, I'm beginning to not think so. Sarah Todd had it in her article that he, they haven't practiced yet. I don't know when they do practice in Vegas. And then if they've gone through like one or two practices, what are you risking? I don't think we intend to have either of them play a great deal this year. If we suddenly thought that Hendricks was about to play 25 or 30 minutes a night this year, 
then I think maybe you're trying to rush him through some summer league and get him the experience. But I think you're going to be able to give him the same experience in the G League in Salt Lake and then see where he is about game 35, 40, or 45 um, on your NBA season, depending on where you are with deals and things like that. So, no, I do not suspect we're going to see them in Vegas, unfortunately. Will Walker Kessler ever shoot a three-point shot or a mid-range shot? So Will Hardy's belief on this is that the three-point shot has ruined more players than it's created. That was his comment last year. And that you don't want to throw all of these things in at Walker at one time. You want to give him one or two things to work on at a time. And frankly, if you go give him like seven different things. So there's two theories here. One is also that like Will Hardy's talked about at the exit interviews this year when players come and here's the five things I'm going to work on. And Will's like, okay, one and two. Like, let's just do one and two. 80 90 percent of your time on one and two what ends up happening is if you do five things like the sexy thing is the three they only work on one they work on the three the way brooke lopez and the way Jonas valanciunas have integrated the three in their careers would be the way i would anticipate we see walker kessler bring in the three so if you look at valanciunas when he started his career and he's not as, you know, Walker's a better defensive. He didn't shoot any threes. The game wasn't there either, but he literally shot no threes in his NBA career for the first five years of his career. I don't think Walker will do that. Then he shot 74. So like one a night. And then he went to like one and a half a night. And now he's up to like two a night. And I think that's probably the slow roll kind of progression. Brooke Lopez is a little different, similar that, you know, he was the post leading scorer, didn't take any. And then all of a sudden at 28 years old, he suddenly started taking like six a game. So I don't know that we're going to have that progression or five a game is what he did. Um, and then he's kind of held there. He went literally from zero to five. I think you'll see a slower Jonas Valanciunas type progression with Walker's three-point shooting. Um, and then we'll see if he's any good at it. Final one, how do I watch Jazz games outside of the footprint? Will the Jazz be streaming? The Jazz will be streaming, but they will only be streaming inside of the footprint. So if you are a league pass person who's been outside of the 150-mile footprint, as of right now, you will have to go to league pass the same way you always have. That The league has not changed that. Ryan Smith is tra- trying really, really hard to widen that gap take advantage of the fact that, hey, we're out in this area where there aren't NBA teams close. We should have a larger footprint than other teams. It makes sense if New York has a footprint because Philadelphia is right next to you and so is Boston. But it doesn't make sense that Utah has a 150-mile footprint when, when there's nobody in Wyoming and there's nobody in Idaho and there's nobody in Washington. And so um, he is trying really hard to change that and and have the league kind of open that up a little bit. We'll see whether or not he's successful. But as of this moment, right now on July 7th, you will have to have league pass or bunny ears. I don't know the answer. If you have bunny ears outside of the 150 mile footprint, what happens? I'm guessing you're still league pass, but that's a good question. And how far does KJS go? Second question I don't know the answer to. Second question I will get the answer to. I will get those for you. My guess is league pass. All right. That's Locked on Jazz. I'm not on next week. So thank you very much. Uh, Leaf Tulane will take you through the summer league in Vegas and all that's going on. 
next week with the Jazz, analyze all that. Then I'll come back with you for the end of July, August, and September before we kick it back off. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.